position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which Everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales. But if you have a game, and it is good, then get time and it will thrive. And you will be my work. Gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news, we have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews, and then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals, uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the next game on, bitches! Hello, friends and neighbors. It is I, Scooky Sprite. Yes. Welcome to episode number 183 of the Best Linux Games Podcast, being recorded for you on this fairly pissy, rainy, drizzly, cold-ish... Well, not cold. Conflating two things out here in Vegas. Anyway, uh, Tuesday the 1st of May. I know we're late. We'll talk about that later. 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 Uh, 20, uh, 2018 at 17.30 Pacific Coast Time. Make it uh, 5.30 Pacific Coast Time. Left Coast, Coast with the Most. Um, got a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's get straight to... I have, oh, wait. I have Ormolino over there in the booth. He's hold, Oh, he's holding up two signs this week. He's Welcome... Oh, thank you, Ivor, for welcoming me back. Oh, that's so nice of you. Yeah, we'll talk about that. And he's also... Oh, the whiskey sign! Ivor, that that sign was not clear enough for me to read it. You are fired. Mmm, let's have some whiskey. Mmm. Mmm. So let's get straight to our top stories then, shall we? 
first of all, I got back from Linux Fest Northwest um, Sunday night. Uh, we will. That's one of our features for this week. I'm going to do a little Linux Fest Northwest recap. Even though none of it is actually gaming news, I do have to say that out of the six Linux Fests that I've been to, six or seven now, Jesus. We're getting old. We're hurtling towards oblivion. Um, this was the most fun I've ever had at Linux Fest Northwest. Mm. Our other feature, though, and this... Our other feature is going to happen first because this is not the Linux Fest Northwest podcast. This is the Linux Best Linux Games podcast. So our other feature is our full review of uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Feral Interactives. I love you, Feral Interactive. Thank you so much. Port of uh, the sequel to the Tomb Raider 2013 reboot. And since we are going to run out of time this week, I should mention right up front that Space Tyrant, a game which I fucking loved, L-O-V-E, love. Oh, shit, that's right. Bob Darrow died uh, between the last time we spoke. And although he's best known for uh, the Magic School Bus, or not the Magic School Bus, whatever, School House Rock, um... He was, to me, a huge mentor, a profound influence for over 20 years, and one of the best songwriter, living American songwriters. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. Check out uh, YouTube. Look for. Um, To work on Too Much Coffee, man. That's a good album, and a lot of that's very much available. The one song that I wanted to post the day that I found out that he died uh, was, of course, um, Where Is The Song? I'll give you a taste of it here. I know this isn't the the fucking traditional Bebop Jazz podcast either, but here. Anyway, we'll close out the show with uh, Anyway, we'll close out the show with a little bit of Bob Darrow uh, My favorite tune I think we'll probably have the recording of uh, him and Frischberg A little bit of that doing a surprise tune It'll be our mystery track But anyway, Space Tyrant right now is on sale A game that I loved Still love uh, Space Tyrant is on sale at 33% off at $13.99 now through, I think, May 15th. These guys really kick some ass with this game. And, uh, yeah, I, in interest of full disclosure, I have offered to help them with their PR efforts and shit, but they are unable to take me up on that offer because everyone fucking fled Seattle the second they were done with the game. And then they came back and they did an update, and then they went back to their, like, you know, wives and girlfriends and boyfriends or whatever the fuck, and, uh, etc. But it is on sale, and it is unbelievably worth I think we gave Space Tyrant our highest honor that we were able to give, 
which is worth full price any day, all day, every day, all time, every blah, 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 in perpetuity. Well, it is definitely, definitely worth $13.99. I got 90 hours in it or something like that. Uh, it's something like that. Uh, oh, God. Oh, Lord. Anyway, yeah, it's like 85 hours. So, let's get straight to our feature, our first feature this week. Are complete. And by the way, this this review will still be spoiler free. Because we're not actually going to focus on the story at all. You'll see. You'll know when my love comes along. Oh, and one other thing before we get to our feature. Uh, I do want to mention that um, yes, our website has been fixed. It was all fucked up. I was aware of this, but it happened <coughs> <clears throat> it happened the night before I th- or like I became aware of it the night before trekked my ass up to Linux Fest Northwest I could not fucking make it happen and pack for Linux Fest Northwest it was just a big clusterfuck because I didn't realize that I was upgrading Drupal to the wrong version of Drupal um, and so it broke everything so I had to roll back to like a snapshot that I took earlier that day you know, blah, 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 blah. The website's worked the whole time since I've been gone. Since you've been gone. Since you've been gone. I feel. Uh, but uh, we didn't have an MP3 file up on there for uh, those of you who subscribe. You bastards. I mean, I love you. Via, like, you know, uh, Pod Racer or, you know, GTK Potter or whatever the fuck. Uh, whatever podcatcher you like that is, you know, GNU-based. So, there you go. Works now. Everything is fixed. Nothing is fucked here. Nothing is fucked. Oh, my God. It's the Libyans. The They're gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Spooky. The Libyans! So then, Mrs. Croft. Ms. Croft, excuse me. This is James Mason. Yeah. Rise of the Tome Raider. Well, the Tomb Raider, because we're, as I've said, if you watch the live stream on twitch.tv slash skookiesprite, S-K-O-O-K-I-E-S-P-R-I-T-E, as I've said many times during the broadcasts that have characterized the last, you know, two weeks, we raid the tombs to read the tomes, which can get confusing, because that is why we also need the tums for the acid reflux. So, we need the Tums because we raid the tombs to read the tomes. We do not raid the tomes to read the tombs, nor do we raid the tomb, the tomes to read the tomes. Hence, the necessity for the Tums. Lara, Laura, Lara, Laura, 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 I am Delarly. Ha 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 ha. So, Rise of the Tome Raider. Mmm. As promised, this will be entirely spoiler free. We will, we will do our pro, we will do our pro con, we'll do our four 
Con, pro, con, pro, and then final verdict for this review. Because that's good. I'm trying to make this our new standard, and if you don't use it, then you're never going to fucking ever use it. So, let's start with that. Now, as I described in a in a previous episode when I came up with this as a healthy way of formatting, we always start off with a con. It's like parliamentary debate. It goes con, pro, con, pro. And then there's a final verdict. It's either pro or con. And then there's a conclusion beyond that. Um, sometimes. In this case, there needs to be because I need to explain to you what endurance mode is. But, rise of the Tome Raider. First off, the f- you know, we have to start with the con. The main campaign mode itself, which is really good. It's a really, I mean, this is a fantastic game, but the main campaign mode itself is overshadowed by this tacked-on thing called endurance mode, which is a roguelike either single-player or multiplayer co-op game mode that has procedural generation for the geography and no um, map. You have to use your survival instincts to see. Before we go to the first pro, let me explain a little bit more about this way we can avoid having this cumbersome conclusion. The main thing about endurance mode is that hunger is a constant draining thing. You have to kill animals and eat them. Or find berries and eat them. You can starve to death. The other thing that is a per- uh, constant and pervasive thing, a concern that is constant, is that um, I don't even know what the fuck how to say it. Um, the other meter that you constantly have to watch is your warmth meter. Because you can also freeze to death. The premise of this game mode is that L- Lara, Laura, Lara, Tome, Tomb, Tome, Tomb, Tums, Tums, Tums! I want to get me Tums! Is that uh, Laura, Lara is off on a, you know, mini quest in the Siberian wilderness to recover artifacts before her arch nemesis, who I will not tell you who they are because this is an entirely spoiler free review before they get to them when her snowcat which is like a big it's like a tank it's like a light armor truck on tank treads with a big um, flatbed on the back uh, it runs out of gas or it dies for some reason so she radios to her evac chopper tells them what's going on and this happens at the start of every run. And she says, you know, hey, no, I don't need a pickup. Um, I gotta go get some fucking artifacts. Came all the way fucking out here. I'm not gonna let the fact that I'm probably gonna die here alone or being eaten by something horrible or shot in the face. I'm not gonna let that or the fact that I'm gonna die of exposure in like, uh, maybe uh, 45 minutes 
Man, I'm not going to let that. Or the fact that I'm going to starve to death trying to eat fucking bark from trees and rotten fucking carcasses and wolf meat. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to let that stand in my way because I'm fucking, I'm a croft baby, motherfuckers. And they're like, okay, well, light a signal fire and then radio us when you're ready for extraction. Everything else from that point on is procedurally generated. I mean, the whole map is procedurally generated. As are the tombs, the tomes. The tomes. No, the tombs. We read the tomes, we raid the tombs. But the 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 tombs are not as procedurally generated as they could be, but the traps inside them definitely are. Uh, so they're like recombinations of all of the best tomb tombs that you've played in the single player, which is fantastic and like different, you know, map elements of them appear, you know, blah but you have to find them first and that involves exploring the Siberian wilderness which is a constantly ever-changing fucking shifting thing every run, it's always different this is fantastic the survival aspects of endurance mode are intense, very real, and you will suck at it for a while I sucked at it for like maybe three or four runs, so like maybe five, six hours. Then I started to get the hang of it, and now I'm really good at it. I'm not super good at it, though, because it's really fucking hard. Ultimately, though, in order to end your run, you either die, in which case you get no credits for anything that you... I mean, you get like a... like literally... Like, if Goldman Sachs is gonna get, or if, if 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 someone's gonna give me ten grand and for a living, that same person would give you f- hundred and fifty dollars for getting killed, which is huge because it's a big disparity. Like when you when you fucking you only live once in this game mode, and when you die, you lose. all you lose all of the artifact bonuses that you've collected, all the, you know, the the shit, the rich stuff that you've stolen, to put it in Goonies parlance. Um, <clears throat> and because the endurance mode, along with many other modes, but endurance mode in particular, um, gets more and more, it doesn't get more and more fun, it just becomes uh, better and more tweakable to your exact preference. It doesn't get easier. It doesn't negate the um... It doesn't make it so that you can buy your way to having super easy, ultra high scores that are on the leaderboard for endurance mode, especially among your friends. Um, you can try to do that, but you have to be really good at endurance mode, and you'd have to buy a lot of these card packs. You see, endurance mode uses a, uh, all of the other modes outside, external to the uh, single player mode, use um, a system of cards, and these are card packs, You and you can buy them with in-game credits. You can also buy in-game credits if, you know, you want to, um, using real money. I would say you don't need to at all. Um, especially if you, like I, got the, you know, $19 season pass, uh, with all the DLCs or whatever, um, when it was on sale last week. 
Because it's fairly easy to run. It's not fairly easy. It's somewhat challenging to do a run where you get 15,000 credits in endurance. But there are other game modes where you can easily, in 10 minutes, get 5,000 credits guaranteed without really doing anything. So let me give you a price breakdown on in terms of in-game credits. There are like the each so cards are sold through the in-game marketplace in, in the form of packs, and they have like you know a standard a silver, a gold, a platinum, and like a whatever the fuck. And like so, let's say the, the highest one that I ever bought was one hundred sixty thousand dollars. One hundred sixty thousand credits, ten grand thousand dollars worth. No, um, that was a payday two reference. Um. And it gave you 15 cards, four of which were guaranteed to be above rare. Now, generally, cards are expendable. Like, not expendable, they're, they're, they're consumable. Generally, they're consumed on each run. But there is a class of permanent cards, and those are really good. Now, the cards modify almost every aspect of the game. You can only play five per run. And you have to, you know, select them before you start your run. They're like mutators. They're like modifiers. They they modify the game. And they do this in two ways. Every card has a point basis. So your final score will be either multiplied by a certain percentage or reduced by a certain percentage. The ones that give you more points make the game more difficult, generally. The ones that make the game easier, like, oh, I'll start with a fully fucking buffed out skill tree, I'll know everything, I won't need to spend skill points again for the for the entire run. Um, and let's say I start with a bow, let's say I start with, like, you know, fully upgraded uh, super bow, super compound bow, those will reduce your score Per, like viciously, they will the, you know those two cards, and they stack like the the amount that they reduce the stuff, and all of these cards can interact. So that's what makes that fun. Um, but the endurance mode is fun, just playing vanilla endurance mode. In fact, I think it's the best way to play it. But it's just it's another layer of replayability that is super cool, and that is really good for microtransactions that you don't need to make. Because, like, if you spent six hours just doing endurance mode runs, even, which are longer than many of the other game modes, there's even a create-your-own-mission mode, which is really cool, and it works fluidly, and it also works with the cards. Um, All of this stuff just adds to the replayability factor beyond, you know, your wildest imagination. Because once you beat the fucking main single-player campaign, there is a whole other game in fact, there's many other games inside of Rise of the Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider, not Tomb Raider. I am the Tomb Raider. The Tomb Raider. No. The t- I am the Tomb Raider. Lara is the Tomb Raider. Give me the Tums. So, our first pro. The single player main campaign, superbly designed. It gives you absolutely, oh, sorry about that, more of everything that you loved about the 2013 reboot, uh, you know, aptly named, uh, Tomb Raider, or Tomb Raider, excuse me. Gives you everything that you loved, uh, plus it's, it's significantly longer in playtime, and has replayability across the board in of itself. 
there are ways to replay individual sections of the single player campaign if you want to just go back to one level and take some screenshots or whatever or uh, you know blah there is no multiplayer in the single player campaign because it's a single player campaign but endurance mode does have a multiplayer co-op if you are adventurous I have not been so adventurous um Ultimately, the, the uh, single-player campaign is characterized by spectacular environments. Great play mechanics. They're not as polished as they were in the 2013 one because everything in the 2013 game was like reinventing something that was spectacular and profound. And so they made it shorter, but they made sure that every, almost every jump, almost everything, except for as uh, NZMB, uh reminded me of the old nightmare um, except for twice where the camera angles went just absolutely fucking berserk and started declipping through the backside of uh, scenery uh, so that you could not see your character especially during crucial moments such as the helicopter chase but that's in 2013 um, so anyway it's, it's, it's I would say it's 95% as polished as 2013 in terms of like the way the play mechanics execute but that extra 5% is a little bit, you miss it. Especially depending on, you can tell where they were in the development process by how polished and how sticky some ledges are and stuff like that. But, overall, gameplay-wise, it's unbelievably fantastic and it introduces a lot of, not a lot of, but several new tweaks and uh, fun things that you can do as uh, Ms. Croft. And it has a fun and involving story with absolutely great facial modeling, um, and it all make it all kind of mixes seamlessly with like a you know frenetic action exploration. It's brutal carnage and um, traps, you know, slash light puzzle elements, um, et cetera, et cetera. It's everything that you would expect from uh, the sequel to the 2013 Tomb Raider reboot, Tomb Raider reboot. So that brings us to our third point, which has to be a con in endurance mode. This is really this is one of those things that really bothers me in endurance mode it requires like the square enix servers to not be down so you can use cards and play endurance mode at all and any loss of steam connection during your run will abort your game in in terms of in endurance mode even if only in single player endurance which sucks and sometimes i've seen it uh, just absolutely obviate all of your cards after starting immediately. Which really sucks. There are also some other UI, um, some GUI issues, in that like it'd be nice if Endurance Mode remembered the last challenges that you had set up. Um, because there are three menus to do an Endurance run, and it's cool because it gives you lots of configurability, and lots of customization, but it does suck that those get wiped every time you start a new endurance mode. It should retain the last settings. This includes your cards and stuff, so it is a process to set up your game, even though I've gotten pretty good at, you know, making it happen in under two minutes. If I'm going to set up the challenges, though, which have cooldowns and shit, then that's going to take another minute or so, but it it's a small quibble, minor quibble. But what really sucks is when and this happened to me first time today when the Square Enix servers went down they don't even, they shouldn't even need to know that I'm fucking in this game because I'm not like, uh, I, I'm not in a multiplayer game, I'm in a single player endurance mode game, I've started the game they've they've uh, 
authenticated with their servers to give me access to my card inventory, which is kept on their servers, um, so that I select my cards and stuff, started the game, was 30, 40 minutes into the run, and the square, this this box popped up and said, Square Enix servers are currently down, and I think that was because uh, Steam lost connection to the internet because the Steam servers went down was not a problem on my end because I was still, I was fucking watching uh, YouTube at the time and there was you know, blah, and then I jumped out fucking went to Google to see if, you know, check my connection then I fucking opened up a terminal this is all like in 30 seconds ping google.com, you know, blah, anyway so Steam servers went down or Square Enix servers went down and that ruined the run when your run is ruined, it is over. You either evacuate from a run, you die, or you crash. And if you crash, you lose everything. You lose the entire run. So that's a that's a that's a con. Um, right before I left for Linux Fest Northwest, every I would say one out of every three runs that I had done in endurance mode resulted in a crash, a fatal crash. Um Hopefully they'll figure that out, get to the bottom of it. Otherwise, it does significantly reduce the um, enjoy enjoyment factor of endurance because the whole fucking thing is predicated on YOLO, and so you know, if I lose my game capriciously and randomly whenever Square and Enix decide to turn off their server for, you know, fucking... And they do this, this happens all the time every day, but that's not the crashes. Those are just that's one, the crashes are on top of that, the crashes are local, and that sucks it really sucks, if you want to see, just go to our twi- our Twitch page uh, twitch.tv slash skookiesprite s-k-o-k-i-e-s-p-r-i-t-e and click on the video tab up top, all of our recent videos should be of uh, Tome ra- Tomb Raider, god damn it give me the Tums and you will see almost all of them result in a segmentation fault. Um, because like, I'll keep playing. You know, like, not all of them are just one run. There's probably like 10 videos of, of the, up there right now. Mm. So, our fourth and final point before our, well, our fourth, you know, back and forth is another pro. They have to go. Con, pro, con, pro. Pro. Fantastic graphics and so much replay factor. How's that for a cop-out? But I think we've covered most of that stuff. So our final verdict on this game is it is like 60 bucks plus $9.99 for a season pass. Um, our final verdict is pro. It gets the highest honor that we can bestow to any game uh, that we review here on the Best Links Games podcast. Uh, worth any price, full price, any day, anytime, anywhere. Any system, um, the endurance mode alone. The endurance mode alone is worth the price of admission, even with all its minor flaws, especially in the UI and its obtuse reliance on squares, subpar time, and the pernicious running crashes, run ruining crashes. Game overall. Here's the thing: if you're wondering, is this going to be as good as 2013? Well, the game overall. I have only scratched the surface in this review of the shit that you can do in this game. The game overall should exactly score at least as high as the tw- as the 2013 parent that spawned it. But endurance mode is the best thing in the game. That's the bottom line. So, 
Now let's spend another 30 minutes and talk about Linux Fest Northwest. So go by uh, Rise of Tomb Raider Tome Raider uh, Tomb Raider uh, or wait until the Steam Summer Sale and then pick it up. So let's talk some Linux Fest Northwest. Hit him with it, Ivor. So, my favorite thing, thank you for that, Ivor. My favorite thing about Linux Fest Northwest. This is my sixth or seventh time going there. I skipped last year, uh, but for fuck, we're getting old. We're hurtling towards oblivion. Favorite thing about Linux Fest Northwest is that it's the one time of year where I get to be surrounded by other people from my fucking planet. People who everyone you walk up to anywhere in Bellingham, because it takes place in Bellingham, Washington, which is about two hours outside of Seattle. It is glorious in the magnificent Pacific Northwest. Um... It's a fun town. It's a college town. It's uh, central to everything. It's two hours by car to get across the border to Canada. Um, so you get a lot of Canadians who come down there for, for Linux Fest Northwest. Um, it seems like more so this year than I remember in previous years. But it's really the other People From Your Planet show. And it's not a trade show. It's not a convention. No one is overtly trying to sell you shit. This is a festival. So the talks are all community driven. And there were more talks this year than I had ever seen at any LFNW prior to this. I mean, there were so many talks this year. Um, I don't even know if they did Birds of a Feather uh, tracks this year because there were just so many fucking talks. Previous Awesome. This was by far the most fun I've had at Ellie, any LFNW ever. Um, let me just tell you one brief story before I start telling you stories about this, you know, blah. Uh, this trip. It was uh, three or four years ago. I go to this talk. I'm like the last person into this room, and this is a classroom at uh, BTC, Bellingham Technical uh, College. Um, it's like a, maybe a 40-person classroom and there were 70 people in it already. I had to sit on the floor at the foot of the presenter who I didn't know. I just went because of the topic and it was a last-minute substitution and etc. And about halfway through the talk, it was interstitial, not um, salient or whatever, not... Um, he just mentioned this in the middle of the talk to make a point about, you know, uh, to give an example of a point that he was making in the talk. He's like, yeah, so when we invented MySQL and then I forked it into MariahDB, this was exactly the same thing. That, and I almost shit my pants. Tortured the fuck out of the guy. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I mean, that's, you know, my core, that, especially back then, that was my absolute core competency. And there I am face-to-face with fucking... Yeah. So that stuff happens all the time. The best stuff, though, that happens at LFNW, in my humble opinion, 
except for this year. This year was different. I love the hallway track. I love meeting people in the hallway or at the bar or at your hotel. And the place is so small. The town is so small. Bellingham is so small that uh, it's easy. All you have to do is just like, if you're at a hotel, just ask her, you hear from and oh, bam, all of a sudden you have a new friend. It's fantastic. So, here's some highlights, and then I have a long list of thank yous to people, but um, <laughs> this was such, this was the most fun I've ever had at Elf NW. Ironically, though, this is another, this is a highlight. Um, never has registration and the actual technical administration of LFNW been as fucking off the rails horrible as it was this year. No offense, guys, but you want, if you, I mean, you don't need me to give you notes, but you couldn't register on the first day if you had pre registered. The servers crashed. The Wi Fi went down. The network went down. Took hours to bring back up. It was a disaster. Um, so I couldn't print out a badge. Didn't have a badge for. And it, it was. It, I spent after spending an hour in line, which sucked. And I prepaid, you know, two months ago for, or like a month, you know, prior for a badge. And so it was a weird, frustrating, really, really irritating thing to see other people, you know, just like fucking going in who, which is fine, like, because it's free. Linux Fest Northwest is free. It's community driven. I, you know, I always buy a badge um, as like an individual supporter or whatever um, to keep it running because, you know, they need fucking money, man. So it's like 80 bucks, you know, whatever. Um, but it's really irritating to be punished for, you know, that good deed or whatever, for just being, you know, socially responsible human being, to be punished with this fucking line you know, and especially because I need it for tax purposes I need a badge for tax purposes I need a badge of the lanyard because I mean fuck, anyway so that was hilarious, because it's like there's as many geeks at this point if a bomb fell on Bellingham during Linux Fest Northwest, the cumulative IQ of the United States would drop by point one hundredth of a percent easily it's the smartest. It's the smartest people that you've ever met in your life, in the nicest place you've ever been to, and blah. And then they, they switched up the registration process, like when, when you show up to get your badge printed. It's like, dudes, don't you realize that everyone is fucking coming here from places other than fucking Bellingham? I know this is like you know, and I know that they realize that, but they tried to do this new thing where it's like, oh, printed at home, but they didn't tell anybody that. There were so many problems with registration, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I eventually got my badge, but not until long after I had attended basically every talk that I was going to talk uh, attend. So that was funny, because there was like, you know, the cumulative brain power of like all of Seattle had migrated up to Bellingham, and no one could fix a fucking thing. And that was true, too, of problems with projectors, problems with uh, microphones, problems with uh, other stuff. Yeah. But anyway, we muddled through. It was good. Um, and it was still a great time because every every conference, every talk I went to was fantastic this year, which is not normally the case. Normally it's normally it's one out of 
if I go to five talks in an LFNW, normally one out of five is really good, and three are above average, you know, I'd say, you know, because, like, you get to pick your topics and stuff, so it's like, okay, well, so I don't know anything about this, so let's go to that. And then there's always, like, not always, but then sometimes there's one that's just, like, a really, really, really just kind of an incomprehensible mess of a talk. It's happened before. I can only think of one, but I will not name it. Anyway. So apart from the registration issues and apart from the technical difficulties, <laughs> which I have to cite because if you're not laughing, then you're missing the point of why I'm I'm pointing this out. <laughs> I didn't get a number for the attendance this year, but uh, two years ago, like almost 2,000 people showed up. This is a small... It's a fucking rad community college, though. It's really cool. They have a good coffee shop, too. Um, It's like a thousand of the smartest nerds on Earth there, and nothing can run. No, no, we can't. You can't make it happen. Anyway, so... Segwaying back to when I met the guy who who forked my secret Fork my sequel into Mar- Mariah DB. Let me. Where's my pen? I won't. Fuck you. God damn it. Segwaying from that, I got to meet Brad Fitzpatrick, legendary founder. You might have heard that name. The original uh, Live Journal. Uh,. And I went to his awesome talk on uh, Perkeep, which I did not know was a thing because I only knew it as Camless Store. And I thought that that project had been had become abandonware. But no one, had, I hadn't really investigated enough over, I mean, this was years ago. Um, and that was a project I was really pumped about. I didn't know that it had become Perkeep. And... Yeah, Brad Fitzpatrick and, and Matthias. Oh, God, what, oh, he was so cool. Matthias was awesome. He had an awesome little chip beard that was fucking rad. Um, they gave a great presentation. It was a deep dive on Perkeep and etc. That, you know, I, speaking from the perspective of someone who wrote Indie, um, which was meant to be exactly like Perkeep in a lot of ways, but was more uh, focused on uh, Google for your mind in terms of centralizing your actual notes and content that's created across computers. Uh, Perkeep does that and so much more. Fantastic. But, I mean, I met the guy who invented LiveJournal. That's pretty amazing. I mean, you know, he sold it forever ago, um, which is cool. Uh, But, like, it's like, whoa. And then, like, learning all about how I need to learn how, uh, need to learn uh, Google Go. I have to learn Go now because a lot of per keep is what went upstream. A lot of the standard libraries in Go were developed by Brad Fitzpatrick for per keep. And then he just recontributed because he works for Google. Uh, Another awesome thing getting to attend the Jupiter Broadcasting barbecue was fantastic. I met all sorts of people. Got to hang out with Chris, Noah, 
I finally, okay, this is another highlight. Six or seven years now, I've been trying to get a selfie with fucking Alan Jude. Dark Lord Alan Jude. The man himself. The man, the myth, the legend. The the the, the self-reprogramming recombinant iterative computer neural network known as Alan Jude, who has never, ever, 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 ever been wrong about a single fucking thing. Ever! And if he has ever been wrong about something on one day because he didn't have the latest information at that time, oh, he's the first to say, oh, I didn't have that information at that time. So yeah, no, that's totally wrong. Alan Jude was gracious enough to, it's the best selfie. I was so drunk. It was fantastic. Now, before we go to these two other talks that I attended that were fantastic, um, one of which was earth shattering. One of which was like one of the best talks I've ever seen, either online or in person. Literally, um, I should probably explain how the rhythm of the days went. I flew in on Thursday, um, I think, and Joe Jokimon Kendall drove up from Seattle, and we drank and drank and drank. And drank and drank and drank some more. And we passed out at like four o'clock. I was up at like eight to begin the drinking anew. And that was Friday. And Friday game night, I had decided to probably skip because Joe had the rest of the day. And they'd moved the game night from the what used to be the Hampton Inn to the BTC. So then I took him to the pinball bar that I like in Bellingham, uh, which is called, I think, uh, The Rack. Um, We got something to eat, more booze, some good pinball. Then we walked Bellingham, the downtown area of Bellingham, right by the longest protest in history. Um, Literally, in American history, this protest has been going on now for like 38 years, 40 years, something like that. Um, It is an amazing protest. I love to see it every year and every year I'm just like I'm gonna go down but this year I got to see Joe Kendall one of my best friends uh, who I hadn't gotten to see in a long time um, and we went to this uh, fucking badass Dungeons and Dragons board game store called uh, the Black Castle or something like that in downtown Bellingham and I bought a unicorn model I'm gonna paint it later tonight um a little unicorn figurine and uh, he got a bunch of stuff for his uh, games but they had every board game that I could see I didn't check to see if they had zombies and stuff but they had well over 500 different board games there for sale it was incredible and impressive and the number of models that they had the figurines that they had were just tremendous and inexpensive last time I'd seen anything like this at least in terms of in Vegas was like the Warhammer series. I think it was Warhammer or something like that. And those figurines were like 30 bucks a pop and made out of metal. And anyway, so this was, that was really cool. Then Joe and I parted ways because my phone was dying. I had to call an Uber and get back to the hotel because um, I wasn't sure if I was going to go to game night or not. And, uh, out back of the hotel is where I always smoke. Uh, my cigarettes 
And uh, there's already been so much weed smoked at this, and it's you know it's legal out there. It's legal here in Vegas too, so no complaints. Um, but people would just show up with like fucking weed. So that's, and this would go on throughout the night from like you know, even before sundown. Like, well, but especially after sundown, you know. And so I'm pouring, you know, black velvet and all this shit, and everyone that you meet. Just these are like random strangers. We, we uh, none of us had our badges yet, even because of the aforementioned, you know, blah. Um, so another highlight was specifically the Canadian Sysman Network Engineer and Code uh, Contingent uh, at the hotel, led by their fearsome leader uh, Trinity. They were super nice, and yeah, I mean, like everyone, everyone just had weed. It was just like a constant thing. It was fantastic. Uh, it was great. You know, we, we're getting stoned and talking about fucking, you know, it's it's pissing rain a little bit. It's spitting. It's spitting, not pissing. It's spitting rain. And uh, it's like 11 o'clock and it's like you and eight other fucking Linux geeks just shooting the shit. It's, it's the people from your planet. Trust me. And it's so cool because it's like, oh well, well, what you know, in all different types of uh, backgrounds and different nationalities. Other highlight was the number of younger people that I saw at LFNW this year. This was the first year that I felt fucking old, which is kind of a good feeling because that meant that everyone wasn't my fucking age, which would still be old. Um, and I talked to a lot of young, really smart, very interested people uh, who were all about the Linux and the FOSS and learning to code and making their career that way and that that was unusual that that's that, that was it was disproportionately large in my experience this year so um, JB barbecue by the way I met Michael Dexter met fucking this madman who I had no idea who he was William Salt uh, Holt fucking badass genius in a kilt um, that he made himself I interviewed him for a brief moment (laughs) anyway he was really cool Um, got to see Angela Urzula again Um, I met just I mean I I was completely drunk uh, throughout most of all of this, but that's nothing new. Um, <laughs> it was fantastic. It was fan bloody tastic, and it was in this environment and with surrounded by these types of people that um, it was somewhat less painfully awful. Uh, remembering uh, that the twenty eighth was Ian Murdoch's birthday. Um, so getting to remember him among people, members of my own kind, was was something. Uh, it was something else. And, uh, okay, so then I, I have, I, I got, oh, and also at, at, at the JB forget, I'm not going to tell you the story about the secret beer run to the conference room that forbade all alcohol because that was genius and 
and it was fantastic and there were six kegs and it was insane um but we can't talk about that and it was like a fucking carnival all of a sudden at like freaking 12 30 at night it was fantastic <laughs> it was so cool but at the at also at the Jupiter Bar guys seeing uh secret barbecue thing uh I got to- <laughs> It was so funny. I ended up telling them my Stormy Daniels story from AVN in January. Um, <laughs> <and no one laughs> it was so funny. Because they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. Wait, what? You what the fuck? You you interviewed Stormy? Like, yeah, no, this is the week that story broke. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and so and and there's so many other things like uh, it's a wonderful town to just be in. I mean, it's it, especially if you're like me from the desert or you know whatever, or you're just not used to the Pacific Northwest because the people are the Canadian influence is seeped downwards like the cold. It is seeped downwards into America in that particular little corner of the country, and everyone you meet is just generally fantastic. But everyone you meet at Linux Fest Northwest. Um, because we like, you know, we make up a significant population <laughs> population jump in terms of like, you know, when it happens, it's like, oh yeah, about one out of four, everybody there is there for Linux Festival. <laughs> um, but there were two talks that I saw that were really good. Well, one talk I saw that was just, you know, Amaze balls is Bradley Coons jaw dropping. I mean, it's just whoa. Talk on copyleft, which was all about. Oh, uh, God. It was all about how the GPL, and this is stuff that, like, we all knew, but it took this stuff from a historical context. It's a far, it's a far reaching, fucking, have far reaching implications in every which way, direction, and fucking blah in terms of the floss. Um, like, you know, from like contemporary shit to practical shit to the philosophical shit, historical, and then old and new regarding like, you know, how the GPL is like being regarded and being used and what licensing framework should there be and is the GPL what, and how it all like basically correlated to the founding fathers concept of the constitution which was not meant to be a system it was meant to be a self-improving system that was a it wasn't a system it was a strategy to have a recipe for a self-improving system that's what the constitution was and that's one of the reasons why until trump we've had such great success um as you know the longest you know longest oldest permanent floating uh, established permanent floating crap game in New York, or I'm sorry, longest Western, uh, well, no, longest experiment in self-governance by the people for the people in the history of humanity, and one of the most powerful nations, well, we were at one point the most powerful nation in the world, and that history had ever seen. And we're saying goodbye to those days right now, but um, this talk was fantastic. I'm still waiting for them to upload it. Theoretically, it's been video recorded. Um, you can, I'll put a link in the uh, blurb for this week's show, so you can check out uh, LFNW's YouTube channel. I had no idea who Bradley M. Cohn was. 
this talk made me cry. You know, you know sad, terrible, patient, quiet tears are just, you know, like, oh God, what's going on in my face? Oh, Jesus. And he ran out of time before he could finish the talk, and so he took questions in the hall, and eight of us followed him out there, and then we had to leave the hall because we were too close to the next talk, and so we went outside where it was actually fairly cold, and uh, we tortured him. He, we backed him up against a wall and stood in a semicircle around him. Uh, I'm not making a joke of this for like an hour, and we just drilled down. Um, and it was fantastic. Michael Dexter was at that talk too. He was very funny. Uh, as soon as as soon as I can, I will make sure. If I have to uh, email him to get the slides and stuff, if that's the best that I can do, I'll get them. Um, yeah, that was that was a, that was a that was that was a profound talk, and it's hard to see profound talks about you know um, overarching overarching. Uh, subjects after 20 years with the FOSS but this was one such talk it was amazeballs I, one of my questions, major questions was when are you writing the book for this talk because this need, I mean we need this book of this talk you have to, anyway the other really awesome talk that I, I went to um, was Seth David Jones of the EFF he's a guy from the EFF uh, Incompossibilities talk, which I I think he's given this talk before, but I had never actually gone to it and he'd updated it. I'm not sure if it was updated or if it was just uh, this was the first time or maybe it was the second person who's used that term in the title of his talk. I can't remember. Um, but his talk was amazing because it was vis-a-vis uh, incompossibilities vis-a-vis providing like a separate but similar granular exploration of like decision making in design all the security triangle, like, you know, you have, like, ease of use um, for the end user, actual security, and then functionality, and you have to reconcile those three incompatible goals uh, and find, like, you know, this weird, you know, um, uh, I can't remember what you call them in geometry, but it's like, a, it's like an octagon or whatever, it's like a, it's not a standard, oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, don't make me, don't make me embarrass myself further. But, um, He, he talked about this stuff in terms of someone has to lose, especially in the dyadic relationships between three things that one of which cannot be, is not compatible with the other two. So it's like, you know, we want... Um, where's my notebook? Here, check this out. This was really interesting. Um, especially fascinating in regards to elections and the metrics used to evaluate the choices behind when deciding what type of elections are we going to have um let's see and he, yeah and he went to he, he covered Zuko's triangle which I heard of before you know where like uh you know we want decentralized human memorable and secure uh you know secure namespaces that are unambiguous so like you can't confuse me with you and etc. All three of those you have two but you can't have all three then he went into like how this works in elections and it was really interesting 
Um, really interesting. And you can actually see that talk on... It's up already, I think. Uh, on Elephant W's website. And now, I mean, I got so... I could tell you so much more, but this was the best... Best Linux Fest Northwest I've ever been to. Uh, especially because I, I got to see... Spend a bunch of time with Joe... I gotta spend a bunch of time with the JB crew. Thank you. Well, we'll get to the thank yous. Well, here we go. Let's just do the thank yous and then we'll close the show. Uh, okay, so I wrote this out. Thanks to Joe Jokimon Kendall, Chris Fisher, Angela Ursula, Noel Chalia, and all the rest of the JB team for tolerating me. The Trinity and Can- Trinity Canadian contingent, Michael Dexter for talking to me, slash not blaming, not blanching at my tasteless and mean BSD jokes. Bradley M. Kuhn for Take my questions. The Coconut Grove for continuing to carry Black Velvet so I could have my liquid lunch. This is a tradition just like everything else that I do at LFNW is a tradition. Tradition! All the many people of the Secret Party patio. Bradley Fitzpatrick and, and Matthias, uh, whose name I cannot rem- last name I can't remember. William Salt Holt, Seth David Schoen, Noah, Noah Burnell, who I met at the smoking area. And we started talking about the talk that he was going to give I didn't get to make it to that talk, but uh, theoretically, it's up. Um, and he was like, oh, no, that's a great idea. I should put that in the talk. Uh, <laughs> why we can't have nice things. Uh, uh, software engineering on a budget and you know how you create your own infrastructure for that sort of stuff and blah, blah, blah. Um, anyway, uh, Billingham Technical College, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which was out in force. I skipped the EFF symposium this year because it happened earlier than I remember it happening, and I was nowhere near drunk enough that early in the morning to see a talk that I knew would only fucking make me super super angry and impossibly depressed. Um, That's how I ended up at Kuhn's talk without ever knowing him. I, I didn't know that he's you know, totally in touch with Richard Stallman still to this day. Anyway, fascinating, fascinating talk. Um, Free Software Conservancy, which is a new place that I'm going to be donating to. Normally I donate to NPR, um, Jupiter Broadcasting, the EFF, and now I'm going to add the Free Software Conservancy to my yearly donations. Also, thanks to System76. Thank you, Alan Jude, for finally letting me get a selfie with him! And everyone who brought me weed, and everyone who smoked all the weed that I brought, and especially to all the young people who were there this year, it was it was fantastic. I did not want to go home. I wrote a poem at the airport, actually. It's called Bellingham. Uh, where is it? Let's see. Please don't send me home. Let me stay forever among the geeks and the fractal flowers and even the big scary green things attacking and watching me with their many, many, many arms and terrifying fingers. I think they're called trees. Let me stay. I can't promise I'll be good. I can't promise I'll be quiet. But just please let me stay. Pathetic poem, but that's how you feel every time you leave Bellingham for the desert. So that'll do us for this week. Sorry we're late, but we were having too big a hell of a time. <coughs> Check out the uh, Twitch stream. Don't forget to get pick up a copy of Space Tyrant, which is on sale, 33% off, now through uh, the 15th, I think, at $13.99. And uh, check out the, um, the blurb for this episode, uh, and uh, you can see some of the talks that they have already up 
on their that Lynx Fest Northwest has up on their YouTube channel and come out next year. It's great. Um, that'll do us. Oh, and as promised, remember, kids. Wait, hang on. Before we close, let me close on this thought. I was holding up the whiskey sign. More whiskey. Hey, we just did two really big kind of in-depth features, so we should babble now. Mm. One closing thought. We all know that if you're listening to this show, that you're fucking hip. We all know that I'm hip. I'm fucking, I'm, I'm pretty hip myself. Trust me. Yeah. You can take my word on that. Mm-hmm. But, for as hip as we are, it is a difficult job that we all do. If you work with Linux and stuff like that. It's even more difficult than working just in general with computers. And if you just generally work with computers, still no one understands what the fuck you do. Well, no one, no one, the 1% of the no one understands what the fuck you're talking about when you talk about Linux. Which is why, for as hip as we are, it is so important to once a year or whenever you can find the time and whenever you can budget it, like both money-wise and time-wise, but Linux West Northwest is great. There is nothing as great as being surrounded by people who are even hipper than you. Or just as hip. Or on the on the quest to becoming as hip as, you know, we all are. And not in a pretentious, snotty kind of way, but in just like a... It's the meeting of the other people from your planet. That's the I've, that's what I've been calling it for years now, and that's what it is. So, let us finally remember the late, the great Bob Duro and uh, Dave Frischberg, who I believe is still alive, they co-wrote this tune. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I'll see you next week, or in a couple of days on Friday. Cheers. Well, I'm hip. I'm no square. I'm alert. I'm awake. I'm aware. I am always on the scene. I'm making the rounds, digging the sounds. I read People magazine. I'm so hip. Well, I'm dig. I'm in step. When it was hip to be hip, I was hip. I don't blow, but I'm a fan. A look at me swing, ring a ding ding. I even call my girlfriend man. I'm so hip. Now every Saturday night, with my suit button tied and my suede on, I'm a getting my kicks, digging those arty French flicks with my shades on. Cause I'm too much, I'm a gas. I am anything but middle class. When I hang around the band, I'm popping my thumbs, digging the drums, yeah. The squares don't understand why I flip. They're not hip like I'm hip. Wait a minute, huh? You think you're hip? <laughs> Dig on this, homie.
Wow. I know. That's it. <laughs> I'm hip. I'm alive. I enjoy any joint where there's jive. I'm on top of every trend. Look at me go, vodeo do. Marvin Hamlish knows my friend. I'm so hip. I'm hip, but not weird. Like, you know, this I don't wear a beard. Beards were in, but now they're out. They had their day, and now they're passe. Just ask me if you're in that, cause of me. Yep. Oh, I'll. Four or five times. A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farnham. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yaddy yaddy yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yaddy yaddy. Four or five times. Met there is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.